You might know that Google keeps track of everything that is searched on Google and they keep statistics on what is the most searched for anything each year. And so in 2017, the most searched for anything on Google was Hurricane Irma. In 2016, the most searched for anything on Google was Pokemon Go, remember that? In 2015, the most searched for anything on Google was Lamar Odom. And the year before that, it was Robin Williams. And do you remember why it was Robin Williams? Robin Williams was a very well-known comedian who committed suicide back in 2014. He was a great comedian who had an impact on so many lives, such a strong impact that people continued to search for him long after he was gone. Now, maybe the impact that he had in this world is pretty unique and pretty rare, but the question of whether or not your life is impactful in this world, that's, that's a very common question. I mean, would this world have been any different if over the last 12 months your life were not here? Or what if your life suddenly disappeared from the world today? Would people continue to search for you months after you're gone? Or would things just kind of keep going on and on and on? pretty much the same way that they did when, when you were here. How do you evaluate whether or not your life is important? By looking at how many people Google you, by looking at how many social media friends you have, by paying attention to how many people call when you're sick, or by or how often people tell you you did a great job with something, by looking at how much money or influence you have, or, or just by how you feel when you look in the mirror in the morning. If you've ever wanted to do something great with your life, if you've ever wondered about the very best way to do that, I'm glad you're here with us this week. This week, we're going to be looking at the life of somebody in the Bible that Google may not consider to be all that great. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we look at the life of a prophet named Elisha, where God calls him to be a prophet and shows us what kind of life God considers to be great in his kingdom. And we will look at those verses tomorrow, the actual calling of Elisha. But for now, I want you to hear these verses from Psalm 139, verses that remind us of how God looks at your life right now. Where he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Did you hear that? Your life is a wonderful work of God. And you see that so clearly at the cross, where God shows definitively that your life is one that he considers, well, it's worth dying for. That's your life. And this, we'll be talking, this week we'll be talking about what you need to do in it to know that you're doing something wonderful with it. This week we're looking at when God called a man named Elisha to be a prophet. And the prophet who was given the task of letting Elisha know that he was going to be a prophet was another prophet named Elijah. And here's how that section went. It says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Now the thing about the cloak seems very confusing, but basically that was the sign that God gave Elijah to, uh, to let Elisha know that God was choosing a different career path for him right now, that his life was going to be different. This was the sign that God wanted him to be a prophet. And following that career path now, 
following God's will for him meant leaving behind everything else. And so you saw that. He burned his plowing equipment. He gave away his food. He left behind his family. Uh, just like Peter and Andrew and James and John left behind their their families and their fishing business when Jesus called them to be their disciples. But they did that because they were all in. And whenever God has called you to do in your life, that's something we need to have in common with them. We need to be all in when it comes to following him. Now, you may have never received a prophetic cloak over your shoulders, but at your baptism, the way the Bible talks about baptism, you were cloaked with Jesus' perfection. God promised you that he would always look at you in that context, perfection, and you were urged to live that way, perfectly. You were given a new way to live and uh, a way that means you must leave behind something too, that you must leave behind every sin. When Jesus said that if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, he was saying that the teaching in God's word, all of God's word, gets to dictate what our definition of a great life is, which means that if there's something that you're doing in your life that you know God forbids, then you must either do your best to walk away from it immediately or come to grips with the fact that Jesus does not consider you to be his disciple. No matter how strongly you do, no matter how long it is you've been following him, Christians know that his or her identity is found entirely in the perfection and the forgiveness Jesus won for them on the cross and knows that being a Christian means being determined to only do good things. We said yesterday that a great life only wants to do good things. But you don't have to do every good thing. You know, have you ever been in the checkout line of a store and the cashier asks if you want to donate a dollar to help feed starving children in Africa or to give money to some other cause like that? Uh, somebody asked me that once as I was checking out and I said, no, thanks. And then they looked at me and they said, don't you care about starving children in Africa? You know, of course, it's, it's very good to care about starving children in Africa. And if you want to give the dollar, go ahead, but, but you don't have to. You know, Elisha, as he went on to be a prophet, he did so many good things in his ministry. He gave a town a clean well. He once disciplined 42 disrespectful children and never had a problem with them ever again. He would have made a great teacher. Yeah, he healed a leper. He, he set slaves free. He once prayed that a barren woman would have a son. She became pregnant and had a son. Then the son died, but then Elisha brought that son back to life again. Yeah, he once even, he made, he did something kind of unique. He made an axe, someone's axe head that had fallen into the bottom of a body of water. He made it float to the surface, kind of like Yoda did with the X-Wing fighter when he was training a, a, a young Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars movie. I mean, great and powerful things Elisha did. But you don't have to do any of those same things in order to be a great Christian. Elisha was a farmer before he was a prophet, and it wasn't a sin to be a farmer. It was a good thing. But it was a good thing that he could no longer do if he was going to carry out this new calling. You know, being a Christian means that you can do many good things. You just must be sure to do the very particular things that the Lord is calling you to do at this particular moment. And if you're wondering what those things are, you don't need to go searching for Google or pray for a sign or wait for a cloak to drop over your shoulders to know what that is. You typically just need to open your eyes when you wake up in the morning. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says this, it says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And so, for example, if you wake up in the morning and there is a spouse laying down next to you, God's calling is for you to love them. If there are children in the house, God's calling is for you to teach them everything that God has commanded. If you are a child and you have a parent, God's calling is for you to respect that parent. If you have a friend, God's calling is for you to encourage them. If you're a student, God's calling is for you to do your homework as well as you possibly can. 
If you have a job, God's calling is for you to go to your job and faithfully do it every day and work at it as if you were working for God. For Elisha, being a prophet wasn't better than being a farmer. It was just different. But it was clearly what the Lord wanted him to do at that moment, for him. And for you, you'll find out what the Lord's will is for you pretty simply when you open your eyes each morning. If you've been with us all week, then you know that when Elisha became a prophet and began his new calling, he got rid of something. You know, it says, he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, and he burned the plowing equipment. And in doing that, what he was really doing was removing distractions. You know, it wasn't wrong to have oxen or a plowing equipment, but, but Elisha knew that if he saw those things every day, he might be tempted to go back to them, especially on the days when his new calling would become become pretty hard and so he got rid of good things so that it wouldn't distract him from doing the thing that God had had called him to do at that moment. Is there any good thing in your life, a good thing that God has given you or something that could be good that is getting in the way or distracting you from carrying out your callings? You know, a lot of guys like video games, for example, and video games aren't necessarily sinful just by themselves. I mean, they're a good way to relax, but if you're a student and your video game, playing video games, is distracting you from doing your homework as well as you possibly can, then that's a distraction that's getting in the way of you carrying out the calling that God has given you. A lot of women are married to men who like to play video games. And again, nothing wrong with playing video games, but according to one survey that I saw, 75% of those women who are married to men who like to play video games feel unhappy in their marriage because they say that their husbands pay more attention to their video games than they do to their wife. You know, uh, text messaging and email and internet, uh, the use of all those things has increased substantially just over the last decade. Again, nothing wrong with all those things just by themselves. They help us communicate well. They help us to become more productive. But I don't think it's coincidental that the number of children who are clinically depressed has increased over the last 10 years more than 200%. By more than 200%. At least in part because maybe because their parents aren't giving them as much direct attention. Good things are only good things when they don't distract us from doing the things that God calls us to do. And Jesus felt the same way. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 9, things are really good for Jesus. They're very good. He's doing miracles. His disciples are doing miracles. People love him. They want to be around him. Things are going really well. But in, in the middle of Luke, chapter 9, Luke throws in this little, little phrase where he says, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And what was waiting for Jesus in Jerusalem wasn't more popularity and wasn't more praise. It was a cross and some nails and a whole lot of pain. And that's what he chose. He left behind the popularity and the praise like Elisha did with his oxen and his plowing equipment. He, he got rid of the good thing because he wanted nothing to distract him from doing one very important thing. Loving you. Saving you forgiving you and giving you one friend whom you know will let nothing distract him from being there for you. Are you happy with your life? If you're not, you should move to Finland or Norway. <laughs> According to Forbes, those are the two happiest countries on the planet right now. And uh, well, maybe you don't want to move. And, and of course, as Christians, we don't live our lives in order to be happy. We live our lives to honor God. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God, uh, Scripture says. But, but whatever you do in your life, whatever God has called you to do, happiness and joy really is supposed to be a part of it. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul tells us to rejoice always. 
even when our callings get really hard. He wrote that while he was sitting in a prison cell. In Galatians 5, then the list of the fruit of the Spirit, joy is listed as fruit number two, which means that whatever we're doing, there should be the taste of joy somewhere on, on our palate. Um, when Jesus, you know, when Jesus said in John 15, you know, if you follow my teachings, if you follow, if you follow my will, you would have, he said that you would have complete joy. Your joy would be complete. You would have complete joy, which means that the amount of joy that you feel as you're going through life is at least an indicator of whether or not you feel you're in the place that you ought to be. But it's important to remember that joy isn't the same thing as pleasure. I mean, just look at Jesus. It was certainly good to be in heaven. And it's certainly good when thorns aren't digging into your scalp and nails aren't piercing into your skin. But when our Father in heaven laid over his shoulders the impossibly heavy burden of our sins, Jesus knew what he was supposed to do. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it says this. It says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. To stop looking in the mirror for a moment, to define greatness, and just look at him hanging on that cross. Stop thinking about the choices that you've made with your life. And just think about the choice that he made with his the choice to give up everything good and great that rightly belonged to him just for the chance to search for and find the one thing in this world that means more to him than anything. And that's you, your life, your existence. So that he could lay over your tired shoulders the soft, warm cloak of forgiveness and of his perfection. I mean, in Christ, your life, your work, your family, it's already perfect. That's how God sees it. Which means you can stop searching so hard for greatness and, in just, and just enjoy the greatness that you've already been given in Christ. I mean, there's certainly so many other things you could always be doing and you have the right to do them. There are certainly so many other places that you could be and you have the right to go there. You know, it's good to have hopes. It's good to have dreams. Just, just don't miss the good thing that God has already given. You know, the fact that the place where God wants you to be right now is the place where you, you already are. If he thought something different, then he'd send you a sign or he'd send you a text message or he'd put a cloak over your shoulders or he would do something to let you know that it's time to do something different. But he wouldn't hide it from you. Because what you do in your life is, is too valuable. What you do today is too important to him. Just open your eyes. See the good things that God has called you to do. And let nothing stop you from carrying out the great life that is right now in front of you. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Thank you so much for investing your limited time in checking out our podcast. And we would love so many more people to be able to hear about Jesus and grow in their faith too. So I know you're busy and you've already given us your time and you're ready to grab your phone and check your apps, but could you do us one huge favor and rate and review this podcast? Because the more of you that rate and review, the more people who will hear about Jesus, and the more people that hear about Jesus, the better life gets with God. So thanks for taking some time. We pray you have a blessed day, and we'll talk to you soon.